Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. As always, you're here with your hosts Liam and Bill. Welcome, Bill. Yeah, cheers, Liam. Good to be back and uh, another week of footy behind us. Yeah, another week of footy. We had some good games on last weekend. Uh, we'll go through some of the games that we saw last week and then maybe talk a bit of Supercoach uh, as this week's podcast. Yeah, good news on the Supercoach front. You're uh, making a late charge there for the finish. Um, we'll get to that a bit later. Yeah, get to that a bit later. We'll start off with a bit of a recap of the games from last weekend, which started off again on a Thursday night with the Cats and the Swans up at the SCG. Yeah, seems like we've got Thursday night footy every week. How do you like that, Lee? Uh, I don't mind it. it. It's a bit annoying for the Supercoach because obviously the teams come out a little bit before the first game, so don't like it in that uh, retrospect, but I do like sitting down and watching the footy every night. Yeah, I think I rate it just, um, you know, more footy on more nights that I'm able to watch. And we had a pretty good game last Thursday. It was the Swans taking on the Cats, as you mentioned, and uh, the Cats got up despite it being a Swans home game. Yeah, and also despite not really kicking a whole lot of goals, they kicked eight goals, 23, which got them over the line. Kicking 23 behinds in a match, you wouldn't expect to get the win. Yeah, very impressive um, that they managed to miss that many shots, um, obviously generating a lot of scoring opportunities, which is good for them. There's a few key performers on, on both sides. Um, Lloyd continues his great work down in the Swans' back line. Yeah, incredible. Is someone which we'll probably touch on a bit later in the Supercoach aspect where he's become one of the top 10 players in the league according to that um, method of determining players' impact on a game um, from this season. So he's been really impressive, 30 touches on all the time, and really just his skills have become elite at this level. Tim Kelly continues to impress. He uh, had 21 possessions, kicked two goals too, including... Well, you could argue was the winning goal, um, you know, the sealer at the end there, and he just continues to go from strength to strength. Yeah, it looks really impressive, that snap where he could have maybe given it off and made the right decision where he had to take that snap and kick the goal and put them up. Both of his goals were really impressive, and um, we hear a lot this this recent week about the teams in Western Australia, both West Coast and Frio, are going to make offers to the Cats because apparently he's homesick and uh, likely to go home either this year or next year. Um, do you think the trade is going to be saying that the Cats willingly agree to, or do you think, what's, what is he worth in a trade? Yeah, tough one to say. Um, it'd be very interesting to see whether he wants to move at the end of the year. There was obviously those whispers when he was drafted that he was going to be a bit of risk in that respect. Um, look, he's, he's young. I think he's 23-ish. He's played some very, very good football. And um, yeah, I really think that if he does go, he's probably worth at least a first-round draft pick, I'd have to imagine. Um, be interesting to see what sort of offers come in. Um, whether he's determined to get back home at the end of the year or not um, will obviously have a big impact there whether he sort of forces their hand maybe a factor in his decision will be how well the cats go this year as we said on the pod last week the model that we have running to make our tips says that the cats are currently the best team in it and therefore have a really good chance of going all the way Uh, the model tipped the upset of the cats last week and got that got that tip right and is really hot on them for pretty much every matchup home or away so far this year yeah, I think that's changed this week. They've slipped from their number one ranking, but yeah, they're definitely in the top handful of teams that the model rates um, at this stage of the season, and I expect that it's going to continue tipping them for a while yet. They play a good brand of football that it really enjoys. On the Swan side of things, everyone's sort of asking, are they pretenders now? They've lost a lot of games up at the SCG. They've got players like Kieran Jack, and uh, who was injured on the weekend as well, and Hanabry, who really have just fallen from grace, something unbelievable. Yeah, Dan Hanabry, a really interesting one. Um, 12 touches on the weekend, averaging 18 for the season. And then when we look back at his past seasons, his average is 25, 31, 30, 25. So obviously well down on what we know he can produce. Um, also, he normally 
has hit the scoreboard in previous years, kicking at least 10 goals in his past five seasons. And so far, he's played 11 games and hasn't managed to hit the scoreboard once. So very disappointing from Hannery this season. Yeah, a really big impact that he used to have on their midfield, being able to get that accumulation of football. And watching this game, I definitely was watching JPK very closely. And he was always around the ball in the right spots, but he really struggled to to get the ball in space to be able to use it. All of his touches were contested and really just quick handballs. Um, pretty sure he had 22 contested touches of his 26. So that pretty much says it all that he didn't get the ball in any space and was just sort of any time he could get his hands on it, just had to give it quickly away by the hands. Keep rolling through onto Friday night footy. It was the grand final rematch, rematch, I guess, the second <laughs> grand final rematch of the year. And uh, the Tigers did it again pretty easily. Yeah, the Tigers at the MCG, really hard to beat. Um, the Crows were in it for a lot of the match, but I think it was a 6-goal to 1 last term by the uh, Tigers to get them over the line. I didn't actually catch this game um, out and about, you know how it is. And uh, yeah, I, I looked at the stats and saw that Dusty Martin had 30 touches and 2 goals, and I was like, great, Dusty's back, he's going to have scored well for my side, but um, not really the case. First half, I watched a bit of this game, um, was sort of average by Dusty. As you said, he got his hands on the ball a few times, but really wasn't doing a lot with it, sort of what we're seeing in the first half of the year. But in the second half, I really saw the Dusty of old. He kicked two really great goals and one burst through the pack where he got to about 40 out and then shanked the kick, which is the sort of goal that he would have kicked every time last year. So we definitely saw glimpses in that second half. And um, I do know that even before the match in a press conference, Dimmer said he's going to be changing Dusty's role a bit to free him up to to what he used to be able to do so for everyone who's still holding him in super coach that's really good news um but yeah i definitely saw good signs on the weekend one of the players that surprised me recently uh for richmond and liam i know you just brought him into your draft team is Jaden short um he's up to now cracked into the top 10 on rebound 50s and in the entire competition and just playing some really good football week in week out yeah, really impressive, and if I'm not mistaken, he's one of the few players who missed out on the grand final spot last year, so one of the few people in this team that doesn't have a premiership medallion to his name, but really standing up this year, hitting the scoreboard as well, out of defense, kicking a goal on the weekend, and I know he's done that a few times this year, so he's really become an important player for them, and probably will be even more important going forward with some of their injuries on the weekend to Graham and Broad and some other players. Just to round out this game, don't really like to call players out too badly, but uh, Curtly Hampton's had a shocker on the weekend. He's uh, he spent about 80% of the time on the field and managed to rack up two disposals, both of which were handballs and only one of which was effective. Yeah, I was playing one of the Draft Stars games where you pick players for a match and how well they go determines the points that you get. And Curtly Hampton was one of my cheap pickups and I was sort of watching him being like, get the ball. And he, yeah, two handballs, no kicks for the whole game. He was around the ball a lot of the time, but just his effort wasn't there and he just looked pathetic. I think the Crows might have even given a second round pick for him when they picked him up back when they did, but I don't know if he'll be playing any AFL football anytime soon. It's not a stat line you like to see. He's managed to get more clangers than disposals, three, <laughs> three clangers, which is impressive. Um, in his defense, he got more tackles, four, than he did either of those categories. But yeah, um, a bit of an odd one there and, and probably a disappointing game for Kirtley. Um, we'll keep it moving and obviously get to the next game, which is a, a glorious win for the Mighty Lions. Yeah, you've been wanting to talk about this all week, so I'll let you have first go. Yeah, uh, second win on the trot. You know, I think it, uh, we've won eight quarters in a row now for the first time since 2012 or something stupid. Um, and yeah, just players popping up all over the board, playing well, um, single out a few. Hipwood broke his record for goals in a game. I think his best before was four, and now he's kicked six, which was great to see. Uh, Dane Beams was everywhere, picked up 40 touches and kicked a very impressive goal. 
And my boy Tommy Cutler picked up 28 touches and two goals, three, including one shocker. But um, we'll, we'll forgive him for that because he played very, very well. <laughs> yeah, Cutler's one that you picked up in our draft league and I actually picked up in another draft league I'm in. 14 marks to go along with those 28 touches. Is he still playing a half-back role or is he getting around the ground a lot more? He's getting around the ground a lot and um, he's getting a lot of uncontested ball. He's His work rate's really high. He runs all day and... Um, yeah, very good at getting into those spots. Um, as you mentioned, 14 marks, five of them inside 50, um, and 11 score involvements. So he's sort of getting all around the ground at the moment and just doing it all and using his fitness to good touch, which is good to see. Another player I want to touch on is uh, Barry from the Lions, who's been doing a bit of a run with roll through the midfield. I think he ran with Cripps in this game and kept him to 21 touches, only nine contested. We know that Cripps is often seen getting those 20 uh, contested possession games. Um, he's playing a really important role. Is that something he'll do for the rest of the year? Yeah, it seems like every every other week they're sort of sending him with a bit of a run with roll and see how he goes. Obviously, depending on team matchups, and as you mentioned, he's done a pretty good job limiting Cripps's influence. Um, yeah, good to see from a young player for the Lions. Um, overall, pretty dominant game. Um, yeah, Carlton didn't really show up after quarter time, and, and the Lions sort of just stacked the goals on. Um, got to about seventy five or eighty points in the end, and. I think a 65-point margin at the end of the game. One last player before we move on, Alex Witherden getting 31 touches. He's the forgotten man in this rising star race that Stephenson's apparently already won in the media. Um, well, when we get to the Supercoach part later, I'll touch on a few other players who might be in the race, but 30-touch game is going to hold him in good stead to still be in with a chance. Yeah, a lot of the season left. Um, as you said, the media seems to have already declared Stephenson the winner, and um, you know, not for without reason he's been very impressive but uh yeah it will be very interesting to see how they sort of favor that week-to-week consistency of someone like Witherden versus your star games that Stephenson has provided from a podcast winner over to a podcast loser we'll go to the Saints who went down to the Port Power by six goals in a really sort of low scoring affair in the end yeah probably not the most exciting game um but good for the Port to get a home win in front of the home crowd and um yeah, they've had a lot of contributors in this game. Tom Rockcliffe's managed to rack up 30 touches. Uh, Westhoff's using, doing his usual 20 touches and a couple of goals. And Chad Wingard's back in form with uh, 32 touches. Yeah, it doesn't look like Wingard will move from that midfield anytime soon. He's having an impact every week and looking really important out of that middle. Um, on the Saints side of things, David Armitage winding back the clock there with 30 touches and three goals. Out and out our best player on the ground. He was... I think our only goal scorer in the first half with a couple, and it's not even his game. It's not something he's used to. Um, he was really great after I sort of gave him a bit of a whack last week. Yeah, he's definitely a player that I've uh, written off multiple times and said that he's probably should play out his career at this point in the VFL, but proven me wrong this week at least. Um, as you mentioned, managed those 30 touches and three goals and played a really good game. And on the Saints' uh, social media, dubbed the player of the game by them was Jack Steele, who got 26 touches and uh, kept Ollie Wines to a really low number himself, playing a run with roll, keeping him to just 18. So that was a really big win for the club there. Positive for the Saints in the loss, Jade Gresham managed another two goals. So he's got himself up to 28 for the season, which is very impressive. Looks on track for about 40, which is a, a very, very good return in a side that's struggling. Yeah, kicked 30 goals, 30 behinds last year, and that's a really great return for a second-year small forward to have 60 shots on goals. And this year he's sort of turned that around, kicking a whole lot more goals than points. And as you said, if he can make it to the 40-goal mark, he'll be, you know, there's not many small forwards in the game who can hold that sort of number. And uh, to be in his third year is pretty impressive. It's my understanding, Liam, that the Saints picked up a few injuries in this game. 
Uh, yes, injuries all around for the Saints recently. We had Josh Bruce breaking his leg at training in a in a collision, so he'll be out for the rest of the year, which is really unfortunate. We had Jake Carlisle who collapsed his lung when apparently one of the medical staff was trying to give him an injection to the ribs, missed and collapsed his lung on us. So just we don't even have to be playing to get these injuries at the moment. Paddy McCartan was actually the one I was referring to. I think he's out for a couple of weeks. Yeah, twisted his ankle, I think, or something to do with the foot. So they'll give him two to three on the sidelines, I think they're saying. Um, also came out that Logan Austin will join Brown and Carlisle on the sidelines with a groin injury. So, yeah, it's really not looking good for us at the moment. Next game up, saw the Hawks thrash the Doggies uh, about 70 points. And this one was the Luke Bruce show, I think. He's managed to get a... Six goals, two to go along with his 25 touches, so it's very impressive. Yeah, Brewster's been doing a lot of running through the midfield of late and really upping his uh, stat lines, but to have him back in mainly a forward role along with Gunston and Roughhead, to have the three of them kicking 14 between them, I mean, that's all Hawks fans will want to see from now on. That's just an incredible trio down there, really hard to stop at the moment. On the dog sides, I was very impressed by Josh Dunkley. Um, I've had him in my sights for a while now, thinking that he's... Probably due to start pumping out those big uh, scores, maybe in a draft league, uh, worth a shot. But uh, yeah, I've been holding off for now, but it seems like he's sort of really hitting his straps at the moment and becoming an integral part of that doggies midfield. Yeah, someone who, again, we've mentioned a few of them, like Barry and Steele, often is given a role through that midfield. So he's someone that just runs alongside the best of the best. And uh, when you're doing that, you learn those good spots to get to. And his numbers do look very impressive. Another dog that had really nice numbers on the weekend was... JJ, um, going back to his running best off defense, I think he had 25 in the first half, finishing on 32. Pretty much just uh, telling everyone just to keep tagging him because he's too good when you don't. Last game on the Saturday, saw the Demons uh, give the Dockers a bit of a hiding and it could have been a lot worse than it was. They kicked 13 goals, 24, so a whopping 37 shots on goal there um, to 7 goals, 6 for Fremantle and just really dominated from start to finish. Yeah, it was just sort of the show of the best two-man punch in the league the gone down to Oliver and uh out of the midfield it just seemed to happen over and over and those two are just working in tandem really well so the stats here um Max Gorn picked up 20 touches six marks one tackle 42 hitouts, and one goal one and then Clayton Oliver 35 touches five marks seven tackles and two goals one so incredibly impressive from that duo in the middle for the Demons yeah, and we noticed from Frio's side of things when they don't have their Sandy, Fife, Blakely, all these other players, which they really need in that middle to function well. Apparently, the scores that they've been able to put out is just not high enough over the last couple of weeks without those players in. Yeah, Connor Blakely has apparently done something to his leg or knee. Or I didn't know. He's in my draft team and I didn't know for a whole week. So if anyone out there has him in your team, ditch him. He's uh, out for the year. We'll move it on again and uh, go on to the next game, which was North, uh, which was North Melbourne, who got the win over the Gold Coast at home. Yeah, this one was on at the pub when I was watching the UFC, uh, watching DC become the champ, champ, which is pretty boss. But uh, yeah, I wasn't really too interested in this game, to be honest. Um, it was sort of keeping my eye on it a little bit and noticing that uh, Goldstein and Wits were having a good ruck battle. But apart from that, didn't have my full attention. Yeah, it was Battle of the Colossuses there. We saw not really not really a lot to see from this game. We had the tag come from North Melbourne to swallow and keep him to 14 touches. That seems to happen every week. We had Ben Brown keep, kick four goals, which happens every week. So just a lot of the same. So if I recall correctly, Goldstein and Wits actually had a pretty good ruck battle on round one as well. And both 
put up some good scores. Um, unfortunately for me, with wits there, making me think he was going to be good this year. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, they've done it again. And 36 hitouts apiece, uh, roughly 20 disposals apiece, kicked a goal each, and seems like they love playing against each other. Yeah, maybe they've got each other in the Supercoach teams and they've got a little uh, handshake agreement to let each other rack it up uh, when they verse each other. Most coaches would have been pretty happy to see Paul Ahern pick up 22 disposals along with two goals. Yeah, 80 super coach points, a really important swing man at the moment with that mid-forward swing coming off the bench. I know I played him for the injured Heaney in my super coach team, so really everyone that got on board with him is really looking at his impact that he's having out of that midfield. I know he butchers the ball a little bit, often goes at between 50 and 60% efficiency, so if he can clean that up, um, he's somebody that I could even see next year being a bit of a breakout player. Gold Coast would obviously be disappointed with another loss, but uh, maybe a little bit happier they've finally had a a decent-ish last quarter. They lost it, but two goals five to two goals three, a lot better than some of the last quarters they've been putting up recently. Yeah, I mean, they'd take any score at the stage that they were going at, not kicking a goal for, what, four matches or whatever. But, yeah, they've been going a little bit better. But I think we've got a few... Those last two games in the round were quite exciting ones, so we'll move along to those. Those two were the Pies getting over the Dons and the Eagles getting over the Giants. We'll start with the win by the Pies. Yeah, good win by the Pies, and it's the usual suspects, really. Pendlebury, Grundy, side bottom, um, Dugowie chipping in with a couple of goals. and Yeah, just the usual suspects out of the middle getting it done uh, seems to be week in, week out for the Pies. Yeah, the two you mentioned from the Pies, Penderbury and Dugowie, really when that game was there to be won, they were the ones that stood up and sort of got it done. That game was really in the balance up until halfway through the last quarter, so they stepped up. 34 touches for Pendlebury, back to his best. Um, I really think that he's going to be somebody who's going to have a lot of work to do with Trelaw being out. A lot of super coaches, no doubt happy to see Zach Merritt back in form. He's picked up 33 disposals. And similarly, a lot of coaches will be pretty happy to see Devin Smith has turned into a tackling machine, put up 13 again on the weekend. Yeah, we mentioned last week he was leading the league in tackles, and I'm sure 13's done that no harm. He's probably going to, looks like, ending the year with the most tackles, and I'm sure if during the trade period everyone knew that stat, maybe there'd be a few more large offers that would have come for him. He's currently leading tackles in the league. He has 126. The next closest is Dane Zorko, who has 108, so... Got a pretty good gap there, uh, 8.4 per game versus 7.2. Uh, pretty impressive numbers from Devin Smith. Very impressive indeed, as were the Eagles, who managed to get over a red-hot GWS at home with really their whole forward line missing out of action. Yeah, this was the game that the model thought was going to be very close. Um, it had it decided essentially on home ground advantage and turns out to be the right call here. Are the Eagles getting up by 11 points? Andrew Gaff, once again, super impressive with 41 touches and two goals to go alongside Redden's 32 touches and a goal. Both of those midfielders able to hit the scoreboard there, which is always what you want to see when you're missing your Kennedys and Darlings and Lacrosse. Yeah, Jack Redden looking particularly good. Um, he looks a bit bulkier the last couple of weeks, so he slimmed down a bit when he got over to uh, the Eagles and looks to have put that weight back on and it seems to suit his playing style a bit more. For GWS, is this something where you think that they can't make the finals now after losing these games that they really have to win if they want to make that jump? Um, it definitely hurts. Definitely hurts that losing that game on the weekend. I think they're still in the hunt. Um, they're sitting 10th at the moment, 34 points. So only two points outside of the eight. Percentage is pretty healthy. Um, yeah, they've put themselves in a spot where they obviously need to win a few close games um, at the end of the season. But I think there's still a chance. 
move on now to a bit of uh, Supercoach news. So we'll have a bit of a segment here where we talk through a few of the Supercoach uh, info for the week and uh, a bit about how my team's tracking up near the top. As Bill mentioned, I've moved up to 222nd overall, so only 983 points off first place and 184 off a top 100 finish there, so tracking along pretty nicely. Yeah, I don't know how... Whoever is in first has 983 points on you. That's pretty impressive. But uh, yeah, it looks like the top 100 is not far off. Could crack that within a week if you have a good week. And um, yeah, tracking along nicely, doing a little better than I am. We'll go through the players that I've currently got lined up in my team. Down to only three trades left, so that's not the best. But um, sitting there in the back line with Lloyd, Simpson, Yeo, Laird, Crisp and Savage. Probably Savage the one there that's a bit of a weak link for me. Yeah, I've just upgraded Savage myself to Lloyd and... Um, you know, not not too desperate to get him out of the team. He's averaging 90, which is pretty good for a defender. But, uh, yeah, I think probably looking to upgrade him at some point. Seems like those first four, at least, Lloyd, Simpson, Yeo, and Laird are the must-haves in the back line at this stage. Yeah, absolutely. And with uh, Jules Swing, a lot of people will be throwing Sicily back there or Tom McDonald. And, um, yeah, I think those are your top six scoring defenders, uh, those four plus the two dual position ones. Speaking of Sicily, I've got him up forward at the moment to go alongside Westhoff, Heaney, McLean, Devon Smith, and Michael Walters up there in the forward line. Yeah, hopefully Heaney will be back this week. Um, pretty strong forward line. Westhoff, not in probably too many teams, I would imagine, but he should be. Uh, he's averaging 104, which is very impressive. And then Michael Walters, hopefully starting to hit his straps again, um, put up a few good scores in recent weeks. In the rucks, I've got Gorn and Grundy, which really have to be the ones that you have at the moment. I was running Steph Martin for a lot of the year, but had the recent trade up to Grundy. Wasn't a necessity, but just that's 20 points in the bank right there. Yeah, I think at this stage, Gorn and Grundy, just set and forget. Um, Your other option maybe would be Goldstein. Looks in a bit of form. He's had seven or eight weeks over 100 and you know some scores 120 plus, but even then, he's probably a little bit off these two uh, who are having a very impressive season's. And through the middle, I'm running Mitchell, Cripps, Kelly, JPK, Dangerfield, Oliver, Coniglio, and Dusty Martin. I know a lot of people have been jumping off Dusty recently. Yeah, it's sort of a luxury upgrade. If you've got the cash to go Martin to someone um, at this stage who's scoring a bit better, then that's something you'd look at. Um, but I think also just a valid option to leave him there and hope that he'll turn around. I fully expect him to be pumping out some good scores soon, especially picking up those stats that he did on the weekend. If he can just clean up that disposal a little bit, then he'll be back scoring those 115, 120 plus scores. So as we mentioned, a fair few amount of points up off first place. And as happens at this time of the year, your teams end up pretty similar. So at the moment, the differences that I have between that first place team and mine is person in first has Robbie Gray, uh, McDonald, Boak and Neil, and I'm running Crisp, Savage, Martin and Josh Kelly. Yeah, so no no real difference there. I mean, obviously, could go either way. Um, Tom McDonald a bit up and down at this point in time. So if there's a few weeks where he pumps out some 30s, as he's been known to do, um, Lockie Neal could sort of screw you there. I think he's probably due for some pretty big scores with Fife out of the side. Yeah, I was one of the people who traded out Fife last week, ended up going for JPK. As I said, was watching him closely and was around the ball and still managed to get up to that 103. But a lot of people went to Neil, and I think he pumped out a 76. So it'll be a matter of whether he gets a lot of attention without Fife and sort of those numbers drop, or if he's able to get that 100% time in the midfield and really lift his impact, that might be the difference there. Tough to say where teams are tracking this time of year. Obviously, we don't know how many trades that uh, leader has or how many trades the people in between have, and probably something they're just going to come down to. Um, 
seen a few people out there bragging about how they still have 10 trades or, or so. I'm not really sure how that's possible, but uh, yeah, it seems like it's the time of year where everyone has either none or, or very few trades left and they become a very valuable commodity. So we're at a point where we've got, what, maybe six or so games left at this stage um, to go in the year to make up nearly a 1,000 points is probably going to be a bit too much for me this year, you'd say, especially considering that I've only got three trades left. I'm sort of stuck with this team and going to have to hope that they can make it through. Yeah, I think uh, finishing first this year is maybe a bit of a pipe dream, but if you can crack that top 100, then that's a pretty good result. Yeah, only 184 points off that top 100. You know, that could be a good week on the points and picking a good captain there. So pretty close to that. And we'll we'll keep pushing through and see how high up I can get. For everyone who's still playing the Super Coach, we might go through a bit of our advice for the coming weeks for those that are both playing for league and overall who are still upgrading their team and maybe just a, a bit of a talking point on a few players and maybe some captain choices for the week. Um, do you want to kick us off with some of the... Uh, young players on the bubble for people still looking to gain some cash bill yeah options are relatively sparse at this time of year there's a few though um in the defensive line you've got lynch from the dogs he's sitting at one hundred and twenty-four thousand with a 74 average um, on the bubble this week in the midfield you've got sear from the pies i'm not sure if that's how you say but 124k with a 70 average and then tringo from the power at 163k 77 average a bit more expensive um, in the forward line, you've got Powell from Gold Coast, who's got that mid-swing, which is always handy. He's 122k with 52 average. So overall, I wouldn't really say there's anyone that you need to be bringing in in terms of they're going to make you a lot of cash. But at this stage, if you're looking to downgrade someone and you know have a player who's still going to be able to cover you every now and then, um, that's pretty handy. Um, yeah, those are some of the options there. So Lynch from the Dogs, Sear from the Pies, Chengo from the Power, and Powell from Gold Coast. Yeah, I think out of the lot there, probably Lynch is the one that's probably got the highest scoring potential, someone who could hold a good 60 average for the rest of the year. But most people are just looking at making that cash and making their team better. Um, for that reason, probably Trengove's a little bit expensive for people at this stage with the 160 price tag probably. Um, and Powell, I don't know if he can stay in that team, but maybe if you're someone with an Ahern uh, sitting there in the mid or the forward and that'll allow you to pull him either side if you've got to cover a zero maybe that can be an interesting move you can make yeah the dual position really adds something especially at this time of the year where you're sometimes trying to cover zeros with not a lot of options um, that can be pretty handy Moving into a few players that if you're looking to upgrade to, you know, finalize your team or maybe you're struggling a bit for cash, probably we listed a lot of the players we like from each line when we ran through my team. So the top few from, from each line you can probably find from there. But if you're trying to find a bit of a point of difference or someone you're a bit strapped for cash and you want to find someone a bit cheaper, got a few people here. Um, there's actually a few options there in the back line for pretty good prices at the moment, starting off with uh, Jimmy Webster, who a lot of people were trading in earlier in the years down to 426k and looks like he'll drop another 40 or so k this week after his injury score still being in his system so sub 400 for webster is that a price you like yeah definitely could be an option for savage if you're looking to upgrade lee and uh, yeah i think he'll be brought into quite a few teams he's got very high scoring potential um so does our next one off the list tom mcdonald um very popular pick in a couple of weeks ago i'm um, obviously pumping out those huge scores he's been a bit up and down since and now looking at about four hundred ninety thousand dollars, and probably going to drop again um, based off his break even so here's one that you could get in pretty cheap soon and i think he's sitting in the top six defenders for averages 
And another one with that swing that it, most people have Sicily in their team, having that swing with the defender forward, if you can get him in the opposite line, that's handy too. And yeah, with that 36, I think he scored still in his system, probably will go down around 450k, which is pretty nice price. But like Webster, probably someone to wait a week if you're playing for your league wins. Last option uh, we've got on our list, um, one that I'm glad I didn't bring in. I was looking at him two weeks ago. I was looking to choose between Liam Ryan and Harris Andrews. Uh, Harris Andrews has got KO'd and uh, unfortunately out for about, well, another couple of weeks at least, I think. And Liam Ryan's put up two pretty average scores of 53 and 68. Uh, so he's now sitting at 446,000, looking to drop again. Um, he is a consistent scorer historically this season at least. So some someone that you could uh, consider. Luke Ryan, I think, is the Fremantle one. That's uh, the one. Yeah, probably Liam Ryan. Don't bring in Liam Ryan <laughs> forward. But yeah, Ryan's an interesting one that a lot of people are looking at. But that 53 and 68 over the last two weeks, probably probably someone to not look at yet. But that means his price will go down. And if you're looking for someone around finals time, I'd check if his scoring has turned around. In the midfield, as we mentioned, Dusty is down to 439K. I don't think he's been that cheap for a very long time. Yeah, if you don't have him in your team, you probably could look at buying him in pretty cheap. Um, most people, I think, have him in their team and are just sort of playing him each week and cursing his low scores. But if you don't have him in your lineup, he's one that you could look at. And then there's a lot of people who obviously traded out Fife last week or are still holding Fife and looking for someone around that price tag. As long as you've still got the, you know, the Kellys and the Olivers and the Dangerfields and all of the top line mids, there are a few other options sitting around at the moment, including Gaff, Duncan, and Pendlebury. Do you like any of those options, Bill? Yeah, I had this choice myself this week, uh, trading out Fife. I had the cash and went for Paddy Cripps, didn't have him on my side, but these were some of the names I was considering otherwise. Um, I think Pendlebury's coming off a pretty big score. He managed about 160-odd on the weekend, and then um, we could expect maybe that to continue with Adam Trelaw out of the side. And then Gaff is priced at about the same 550, and he's just scoring really consistent um, hundreds and hundreds and tens, so... He's one that I would definitely consider. Duncan, I'm not so sure I would jump on, um, just based off the fact that he's sharing a midfield with, you know, Dangerfield, Ablett, Kelly, etc. Um, but again, he's still holding an average about 110 and costing about 550, so could be a good option. It's interesting with the Pendlebury option was one that I really considered heavily as well, looking into his matchups over the next few weeks. So they come up against West Coast, North Melbourne, Richmond, and then Sydney. Uh, Brisbane and Frio for the rest of the year so we know a lot of those teams are heavy on the tag so Hutchings, Jacobs, uh, Hewitt, Barry, Banfield in that run home sort of a bit of a tough run maybe when without Trelaw he'll be the one probably getting the attention. Yeah definitely something to consider and maybe offsets that um, benefit of Trelaw being missing in terms of scoring potential but then you also have to consider whether you think the Pies are going to win those games. Generally helps the scores. And they do have a relatively easy fixture, so I could see them getting most of the wins. And yeah, I could definitely see Penderbury holding a pretty good average from here on out. Um, a little bit of a risk, but those are the sort of things we've got to do at this point in the year. Skip over the Rucks pretty quickly. It's a pretty simple Gorn and Grundy combo. Yeah, just as I mentioned before, Goldstein, I guess, is an option. You could back him in to outscore, say, Grundy if you didn't have him in your team at this stage. But looks like those two are going to be the ones to have in. Up forward, I reckon there are some really great options this week if you're looking for an upgrade. You've been playing for league and haven't been rushing your your upgrades. I think there's really two good options up there, starting with Toby McLean down to 441k for someone averaging 100 as a forward. It's really good value there. Yeah, great value. I've had Toby McLean in my side since day one and been very happy with him. I think 
anyone bringing him in can expect him to score 100 pretty much every week and we'll be pretty happy with his output. The other one at the same price at 440k is Michael Walters, 92 average, but we know he's got that injury-affected game and uh, coming off a 104 score with no Fife and him being permanent midfield. Yeah, Walters is an interesting one. He uh, He's in both of our sides. He averages about 20 touches a game and then kicks a few goals, scores pretty well. Uh, I think one other that people could consider is Toby Green. Um, he's probably going to be back in a week or two and He's a consistently high scorer, showed he can pump out those 150-plus games, so definitely someone that I think people should be considering. Yeah, that's some really good advice with uh, Toby Green. If you're someone who's playing for league, you can maybe wait off two weeks and get someone completely unique for your finals by holding out for Toby Green there. A couple of talking points from the Supercoach scores when I was looking through them. I know a lot of people are currently still holding Tom Deday and uh, Bailey Fritch in their teams as sort of their last mid and defender. So Duday is averaging 86, 96 off the last three, 90 off the last five, and Fritch is averaging 80, but 87 off the last three and 92 off the last five. Are, they, are these sort of players that you could see holding in your team, or are you someone who likes to upgrade to those known premiums? Yeah, I had them both in my team, and, and they've both come and gone and, and played their roles, and they're out now. Um, I, I do like to upgrade them if possible to someone who's proven to be able to hold that score, but if obviously if you're struggling with trades, you know, someone who's averaging 90 odd over the last three or five is is obviously a pretty good player to have in your team um traded Dudy out of my drafts team only to watch him score 120 odds so that didn't work out too well but yeah if you don't have the trades obviously these are the sort of players that you're going to be wanting to hold and if you do have the trades it's a bit of a luxury maybe look to upgrade them and it, it just brings up the point again of Stephenson locked into the Rising Star, according to everyone. We saw Witherden getting 31 touches on the weekend. And these numbers out of these two players who are both eligible for the award, do you think it'll be a big split between uh, people's opinions come end of the year? Yeah, I think it's going to come down to how well they play in this home stretch. Um, as we mentioned, the media sort of hyped up Stephenson as having already won the award. And we sort of understand why, because he's been very impressive in terms of actually winning a few games off his own boot but in terms of your week-to-week consistency I think these two especially are are right up there and should be a real chance. As a lead-in to our tips for the week and the upcoming games we might just quickly touch on some captain options for the week and I think it's pretty simple this week when we've got Big Maxi Gorn coming up against the dogs who we know are struggling in the ruck do you think that's just a lock and load put it in for your captaincy? Yeah I think so my captaincy has been on Gorn for a few weeks now and he hasn't really um done me wrong over that time so i think he'll be a very popular option and definitely where i'm going to have my captaincy sitting i think yeah i think there's sort of two main options that you can run this week for those with the luxury of having both gorn and grundy you can run gorn against the dogs into grundy at the g which is always a good matchup but i think probably the better one is to keep the c on gorn and choose someone with a lot of upside from these thursday and friday night games so either paddy dangerfield or a roy laird maybe on on the thursday night or even a paddy cripps against st kilda just somebody who could explode for a 160 odd because i really wouldn't be taking anything less than a you know 140 over that gone matchup yeah i think you're right there so anything less than 140 odd i wouldn't really be bothering i'd just leave it on on gone and that's probably what i plan to do um tip on a vice captain lee vice captain i'm going to put it on dangerfield back at the old home and uh put the c on uh gone what are you going to do yeah i think i'll be doing something similar obviously gone with the c and then uh not really too sure maybe i just brought in patty cripps maybe i'll chuck the vc on him and, and see how that goes 
talking about the games for next week, we might as well get into some tips for the round. Once again, we've got the model working, and uh, I think it's coming off a 9 out of 9 off last week with the uh, first time we're running the new and improved model that you've formulated during your time in the desert. Yeah, inspiration strikes when you're in uh, isolation, but uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes over the next coming weeks. Um, yeah, got 9 out of 9. Um, I think it was a relatively easy round for tips, to be honest, but uh, it's predicted a few upsets this week um, based off the betting odds. The Thursday night game, Adelaide are actually the favourites, which surprised me a little bit, and the model likes the Cats even away from home. Yeah, I think I'll go the Cats as well here. Just after watching the way they sort of dismantled Sydney last week, I don't see Adelaide's performance on the weekend being strong enough to change my mind. Yeah, same here. I think the Cats are a pretty good value here to get up if anyone's uh, looking at the bookies odds there. I don't think this will happen quite often, so I'll lead this off and go with a St Kilda tip over Carlton and we might see a few more coming. Yeah, I think the model's gone for the Saints and I will too. It's just very hard to tip Carlton at this point in time. Hawks and the Lions might be an interesting match for a few people. Down at Tassie, I'm going to have to lock in the Hawks. Yeah, the model thinks the Hawks are going to win as well. Um, obviously, the Lions are going to win, so I'll tip the Lions. Um, yeah, I've got a habit of tipping the Lions and getting it wrong, but that's fine. Uh, we we did beat them last time we played up at the Gabba pretty convincingly, so I'm hoping we can continue that and uh, yeah, take our winning streak to three. Next match is the Demons and the Dogs, as we mentioned with the Gorn matchup. Um, I think Gorn can get this game done. Yeah, I think Maxi Gorn can get this game done. Um, hopefully kick a few goals as well. I like watching Gorn dominate um the model's gone for the demons it loves the demons and i will go for the demons as well move along to a game up at metricon stadium the suns versing the essendon bombers yeah um the model's not going to tip the suns against anyone (laughs) at this point in time except for the blues so uh the model's gone with the dons and yeah it's hard not to go for the dons yeah i'll go for the dons as well next game is the closest one of the round, according to the model, it's GWS versus Richmond. Um, it rates Richmond better as a side, but we do include home ground advantage, and this one is actually close enough to flip it. So the model is tipping the GWS Giants at Spotless Stadium. Very interesting tip, and it's probably going to be an interesting game, considering that for Richmond's run home, these games away against OK teams are probably the ones that they're likely to drop. They're, as we said in previous podcasts, they've lost a lot of games outside of the G, outside of interstate um, so far this year. So I could see the model being right, but I really can't tip against the Tigers at the moment. Yeah, I'm finding it tough to tip against the Tigers as well. I think I'll, uh, I'll lock them in here. Next up, we've got a game uh, on Sunday at the MCG between Collingwood and the West Coast Eagles. Yeah, I think uh, the model's gone for the Pies, and I, I kind of agree. I think the Pies could probably get this one done at home. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I still don't really rate West Coast in my mind, so that's hard to get around. But uh, I don't particularly rate the Pies either. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think this is an interesting game to see where each club is at. We haven't seen the teams yet, obviously. haven't dropped yet, but assuming we get some of those forwards back from West Coast, I'm actually going to go for an upset here and tip the Eagles. Second to last game, we've got North Melbourne taking on the Sydney Swans at Etihad Stadium. Uh, the model thinks the Swans can get it done away from home, and I agree. I think this will be a very close game, and considering the way that I saw Sydney really not put up too much of a fight against the Cats last week, letting them score 20 hundred behinds, I really think it could be a close game. I'm going to lock in the Swans. I think they'll bounce back, but I really could see this one going either way. And the last game of the round over at Optus Stadium, Fremantle hosting... Port Adelaide, I think Port Adelaide can get it done away from home. Um, yeah, Frio not too inspiring at this point in time, and I think Porter going to be keen to get that win and, and try and lock in that top four spot. Yeah, the model, as you said, is really high on Port at the moment. 
And they've obviously gone for Port as well, and I think I will round that out with three tips for Port Adelaide. We'll see how the model goes this week. As we mentioned, I think we got nine out of nine last week. And, uh, yeah, if you locked in our tips this week and put a little bit of money on it, I think it's 42 to one odds if uh, if we're going to get nine out of nine again. So anyone who's so inclined, maybe a cheeky tenor on that. And some very nice money off the uh, model, as we said, nine out of nine last week. So why not? We'll move on to our big talking point of the week to close the show. And I think really the big talking point coming out of this week is a lot to do with the upcoming trade period, which obviously we love and we put out a lot of podcasts around that time to do with drafts and trades. But it all started with Wayne Carey, who came out and said that the Blues don't have enough enough depth, that a number one pick really is not what they need at the moment, that they should trade it to Melbourne for a group of depth players like Tyson and Bug and Frost. What do you make of uh, those comments? I mean, I wouldn't be giving up a number one pick for Tyson, Bug, and Frost, um, even as a package deal. But, you know, obviously, the concept is slightly interesting in terms of trading away the number one pick for perhaps a couple of picks in the top 10 or an established player plus picks, etc. But, you know, if I'm Carlton, I'm not going to be letting that pick go very easily, especially with the top level talent we can see in this draft. I mean, from Carlton's perspective, they're somebody who has done a lot of, we'll send off our picks for players from GWS and, well, mainly GWS, but it really hasn't worked out too fantastically for them so far. And to have a number one talent potential to come through the door uh, with the names that we've seen being thrown up at the moment and the potential that they've been linked to, I really think that trading that pick would be quite silly. Be interesting to see whether they apply for a priority pick at the end of the season. They've said that they won't, although I imagine they'll probably change their tune come the end of the year. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. And we've also heard a lot of people talking this week. I know I read an article about proposed ideas to add priority picks as a mandatory thing that you don't apply for. So pretty much what it would be would be at the end of the first round, anybody who hasn't made finals for five years, they'd get an additional pick there before their second pick. So just an increase in talent into those clubs that really haven't been there for a while. Yeah, interesting concept. I could see something like that working a, a bit better than the current system where it's a bit of a lottery. You know, are we going to get the priority pick? Are we not? Um, and then, yeah, someone from Carlton coming out and saying that they're too proud or however they worded it to ask for a priority pick. Um, a bit strange considering they've already had like four <laughs> or something. But yeah, um, yeah, something like that, I think, could be worked in. Um, in addition to the change that apparently we're going to get live trading of draft picks on draft night, potentially coming in as early as this season. We'll definitely make draft night an even more enjoyable spectacle that I'm sure a lot more people will tune into to, to see if their club's going to wheel and deal. Yeah, got to love draft night. Um, and yeah, if there's live trading, that makes it even better. Um, there's been some news this week to do with free agents. Liam, I know you've had a picture of Rory Sloan on your wall and with the Saints uh, drawn <laughs> on him for a couple of years now, but uh, not to happen. Yeah, Sloan is probably my favorite player in the competition outside of my Saints, which I'm not afraid to say is a is a great player. Five years is a is a long period. We'll take him to about 33, 34. So he'll be a one club player there, which is fantastic for him. But yeah, no, I do love Sloan. I actually traded in my draft league side bottom for an injured Sloan earlier in the year, which hasn't turned out too well with side bottom pumping out 120s. But uh, yeah, he's just a, a great player and a great man. Few free agents left on the board then for the Saints to pursue. Tom Lynch is probably the big one that I think we can all agree is leaving at this stage, is not going to play for the rest of the year. Had a lot of interest from Hawthorne and Richmond, I think, are the main two in the race at the moment, so that'll be interesting. Um, probably not the stage for the Saints, 
Saints might go after more midfielders. And really, the only big name left on the board is Andrew Gaff, who's putting up, as we said, crazy numbers at the moment. And West Coast, if I was them, I'd be doing anything to keep him. Yeah, I think on the Lynch front, the other club I've heard sort of bandied around is the Pies. Um, mm. Obviously, looking for a forward option and have a lot of cash. I don't know whether in the salary cap, but they've definitely got a lot out of the salary <laughs> cap. So, we'll see how that goes. But... Uh, yeah, don't be surprised if Lynch is obviously playing in Victoria next season for one of those three clubs. I think an interesting thing that you just reminded me of that I didn't think about in this game against uh, West Coast is Lyndon Dunn out for the year, knee injury. And uh, as we've been well aware, the stocks of key position players at, at the uh, Pies is really leave something to be desired. So if the West Coast Eagles can get either Kennedy or Darling back, that might be very important in this week's game. Yeah, the Pies have sort of made a habit of just winning games out in the midfield and, and that's working for them so far and obviously got that dynamic sort of shifting forward line with a lot of moving parts there, which has worked out. But yeah, it's it's very worrying when you see their sort of defensive stocks up against some of the forwards week to week and yeah, it would be interesting to see whether when the teams drop in about 20 minutes, whether those sort of forwards are named for West Coast. Yeah, as you said, teams about to drop and uh, some good games starting uh, tonight on the Thursday night. Yeah, team's about to drop, so we'll have to go have a look at that to set our Supercoach lineups. Um, stay tuned next week to see if Liam have jumped into the top 100. 